You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next up on Destination Freedom. Hot Springs in April, Lexington, Louisville, Illinois, Michigan, California, and Maryland, New York, and New Mexico. Won the American Derby four times. Then Kentucky Derby three times. Went out to Saratoga, accepted 50 mounts, and coached 49 winners across the finish line. Threw away his whip in Arlington and dropped his spurs in Washington Park. Retired after having accepted 1,412 mounts and winning 628 races. Never crossed a track to the cemetery. I saw the grave diggers again into the thunder crack that day in May. Welcome to Destination Freedom Black Radio Days podcast, a copyrighted program of No Credits Production, LLC. I'm producer-director Donnielle Betts. The Kentucky Derby is held the first Saturday of May every year. Folks may be familiar with the fine clothes, big hats, and of course the fast horses. But did you know the first 10 winners of the Derby were black? The first three-time winner was Isaac Murphy. Many considered Murphy the greatest American jockey of all time. By his own account, Murphy won 44% of his races. Now, racing historian only verified 34.5% from that era. But it's likely that some of Murphy's races were not documented. Either way, Murphy set a standard that no other jockey has come close to matching. Murphy was the first jockey inducted into the Racing Hall of Fame in 1956. Destination Freedom Black Radio Days opens up its archive to share with you the story of Isaac Murphy. Next up on Destination Freedom Black Radio Days, one of my favorite audio dramas from our series, The Grave Digger's Handicap, the story of Isaac Murphy. Destination Freedom. Ooh, freedom. Oh, freedom. Oh, freedom over me. And before I horse racing has been richer with tales, legends, and popular idols than any sport of mankind. Foremost among America's heroes of the turf is the 19th century jockey Isaac Murphy, one of the most fabulous horsemen in racetrack history. In a chapter titled The Gravedigger's Handicap, Destination Freedom presents Murphy's Saga. I'm gonna do 
what the spirit says do. Giddy up, honey, giddy up. Giddy up, honey, giddy up. When the wind's wild, the thunder's rolling. Grave diggers in Kentucky say the sky is just a six furlong track. The lightning is little Isaac Murphy's white shirt flying in the wind. And the thunder, the sound of his horse romping home. In an old number two cemetery out from Lexington, on Huffman Mill Road, the grave diggers shoulder their shovels and turn toward a stone marked Jockey Isaac. As if the lightning strikes again, they squint up at the sky as if they're watching for old Isaac coming down the stretch, laying flat on the neck of the flying horse, hugging the rail and calling out that call of his. Giddy up, honey, giddy up, giddy up, honey. Let me through, honey, giddy up, giddy up, honey. And they got a right to remember him. They first put him on a racetrack, helped him ride to glory and to his grave. It's on days like this when they remember his fabulous house. They watch it grow from a little bungalow on two acres bought when he won his first race until it spread out like a mansion after he had become master of the tracks. They remember the high circles he moved in when there was magic in his horsemanship. Remember him retiring in his 20s, rich, respected. And they remember a rainy May day like this when a badly dressed delegation went up to Isaac Murphy's house, knocked on his mahogany door. Stood a while before Isaac's wife decided to open it. You, you gentlemen looking for something? Only what's due us, ma'am. Did my husband hire you all for something? Oh no, we've come to hire him. You are? For what? Now, now, my sweet young thing. What has the world used Isaac for? Well, if it's horse racing you want him for, then he's on... Yeah, that's what it is, my dear. You should know Isaac's been retired five years now. Well, then it's high time he came out of it. And he's very low sick and under the doctor's care. He was asked last week by the governor to ride his thoroughbred, and you know if he won't jockey for the governor, there's no one he'll jockey for. Except us, my dear. Why? Who are you? We are the grave diggers. Now, now, Isaac's low sick. You can't be joking with him this way. Go on along, please. Maybe I'll let him stay. Now, Isaac, you get back in bed. The doctor said... I know what the doctor said, Maybelle. I want to talk to these men. You go inside. They said something about racing, Isaac. I told them you couldn't... Maybelle, if you don't mind, well, we'll talk alone. All right, but you know what he, the doctor said, Isaac. As soon as the jockey's wife was out of sight, the grave diggers looked square like at Isaac, and he shivered as though standing in a draft and asked. When is the race? This noon, the banker's handicap. You've entered your horse? She's in the stables. What's her name? Broomstick. Well, what are the odds? Hundred to one. Hundred to one? When's the last time Broomstick won a race? Who knows? But just think, it's a hundred to one shot. Every gravedigger in the cemetery's got his savings on it, if you ride. 
You know, I never believed in betting. Well, we don't believe in working in the cemetery for the rest of our days either. Not when a hundred-to-one shot can slip through the handicap if she's handled by a master. Well, it'll give us enough of a stake to save us from a gravedigger's life. But I, I haven't been in the saddle in five years, and it's true. You see, it's true. I, I'm not well. I'm, I'm weak. You mean you won't ride to pull us out of the graveyard? We pushed you out of it. My insides feel like someone's burning candles in my stomach. I'm sad. And so are we. But we kept on digging graves while you've gone ahead and built a mansion. Now, what about our bargain? All right, all right, you're right. We have a bargain. Well, of course, if you've lost your touch with horses, I mean, if you're just another jockey... I don't need to be agitated into the saddle, Eli. We made a bargain. I'll keep it. I'm gonna do what the Spirit says to They say a bargain made with a gravedigger is one few can break. The fabulous jockey looked at the gravedigger as he spoke, then looked at the slackened rain and saw the track would be muddy. The spokesman for the delegation, Eli Bender, gravedigger and ex-jockey, looked over Isaac Murphy, just as he had 15 years before. Only that time, Eli was standing in a poor Kentucky farmyard, talking to a small, sad woman and looking over a family of five boys to see which one would make the best grave diggers apprentice. Well, 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 Miss Murphy. Five fine boys you have. Five fine boys. Let's see here now. Which one would be best suited for cemetery work? Fred over there is my oldest. He's a nice, quiet boy. Uh, Fred's a little too grave for cemetery work. Uh, There's Sidney. He's steady, strong, too. No, no, Sidney said he was afraid of ghosts, and well, you know... Just what do you have in mind for my boys to be doing? Oh, dig a little, plant a little, carry some tombstones. (laughs) I want one who's sort of good at measuring everybody, and... Say now, who's that over there with that horse? Oh, that's Isaac. I can tell the wind is running About the leaves shaking on the tree I can tell the wind is running About the leaves shaking on the tree All I need is my little horse to keep me company They say the grave diggers forgot the five big boys standing in front of him and watched a tall, scrawny lad walk into the yard. His mouth close to a horse's ear. And the horse was walking alongside him like a man. Like he only had two legs instead of four. Like he was in love with the boy's voice and had taught the boy his language and loved to hear him humming. Mrs. Murphy, Mrs. Murphy, is he one of your boys? He's my youngest, Isaac. I'll take him. Isaac? For work in a cemetery? Yes, sir. I thought you wanted someone who could lift tombstones and dig ditches. You know how much Isaac weighs? Not an ounce, over 70 pounds. That's right. Can I have him? Well, he's never been away from home. I see that the cemetery superintendent pays twice the apprentice fee. I can't. Three times the fee. Your family could use the money, Mrs. Murphy. It's a great opportunity. Call him over, please. Isaac! I'm coming, Mom. 
<laughs> oh, Lord. One in a thousand. One in a thousand. Now, does he get along with most horses like that? I hoped you wouldn't notice that. There's something strange between him and that horse. You call me, Ma? Isaac, Mr. Eli here wants you to be an apprentice over at the Lexington Cemeteries. You'll be near beautiful flowers, green grass, quiet surroundings. Is that so? And just a few acres or so away from us is the Lexington Racetrack. And whenever they're running, all you got to do is just stand up on a tombstone and you can see right over into the track. Is that so? Uh, yeah, your pay will be a big help to your mother, and at the same time, you'll be learning something. You can, uh, well, it, it'll be useful. Well, Ma, it's all right with me. That is, if I can take honey. Honey? That's this horse. His father left it to him. Well, I'm afraid we won't need any horses. You see, all the hauling's done under contract, and... Uh, if honey can't go, I have to stay, mister. Uh, but, uh, you <laughs> Come on, come on, honey, come on. Now, come back. I was about to say some arrangements can be made for hiring the horse, if necessary. It's necessary, all right. Honey hasn't been away from me since I first saw her. Well, if honey's got to come, she's got to come. Let's go. Giddy up, honey, giddy up. Giddy up, honey, giddy up. Giddy and they tell how the grave digger, who's been sent out to get a strong, muscular apprentice, came back to the cemetery with a horse and a boy weighing 70 pounds. And his fellow grave digger, Uriah Stone, didn't like it. You won't be able to explain this to the superintendent. You better get that bedraggled horse off these grounds before he makes you dig your own grave. <laughs> Look, Uriah, I didn't spend 20 years as a jockey without learning a little about horses and riders. So that kid's one in a thousand. Now, a lot of kids talk to horses, but here's one who's got horses talking to him. Do you see what I'm driving at? Well, I'm beginning to. Now, half the gravediggers we've got in the cemetery are ex-jockeys. Well, instead of apprenticing the boy to care for graves, we'll, we'll teach him to handle horses. And we'll take him over to the track, get him in Old Man Pepper's stables. Win enough on his riding to get us all a little plot of land to plant vegetables instead of people. It's the only hope I see for us old fellas to get away from cemetery work. Well, well, maybe so. Call the others and see what they got to say. The ex-jockeys came to see the boy, took him inside their shanties, set him down at a table, quibbled over the best food to feed a 70-pounder, talked to him of horses and horsemen, of gold and glory, and in the morning, showed him the right way to mount and sit on his horse, honey. That's the right position, that's right. But now you can give him a little bit of a whip. I told you, I, I won't use a whip on a horse. In a race, you've got to... All right, well, never mind. You'll be riding real horses then. Gallop on. <laughs> hey, you ride. Look at that seat. Look at it. <laughs> and in between their spading, the diggers would stop while their apprentice scampered across the road, leaped over slabs, and erred his racer on. Giddy up, honey, giddy up, honey, get ahead, honey, giddy up, honey. Oh, one in a thousand, I tell you, one in a thousand. He'll get us out of this cemetery. He'll free every grave digger in here. <laughs> he rides like he's part of the horse. Oh, it won't be long now. The ex-jockeys kept pouring their souls into the new apprentice. And when the racing season started, they took both Isaac Murphy and the horse over to owner Red Pepper, who looked skeptical. 
Well, I don't know. The boy looks young to me. Well, he's not very old. But he's a winner, Mr. Pepper. We trained him ourselves. Uh, come over here, boy. I say, come over here. My, my, he does fit on that nag pretty nicely. <laughs> yes, sir. Eli tells me you got the makings of a jockey. You can ride for my stables, and we'll see if he's right. Now go on over there and weigh in. Yes, sir. You're going to start him today? Yes, on one of my best horses. Shows you what I think of the training job you do. Here, take this green back for bringing him over to me. Oh, well, now, Mr. Pepper, you needn't. Uh, and don't forget to take that manger nag back to the graveyard with you when you go. Uh, well, about that horse. Well, yes. Uh, he goes with the rider. No other way. What are you giving me? The truth. <laughs> That's the way the boy wants it. Well, all right. I'll see you about that later. Put the nag in one of the stalls for now. I want that boy to ride this afternoon. And when the post call came... And the horses marched out onto the track. Isaac Murphy, dressed in the bright silks of the Pepper stables, was up on Footloose, the favorite, and on the Pepper. Stopped him for a minute to talk. Uh, Footloose needs plenty of whip from the start, boy. Plenty of whip, you hear me? Yes, sir, Mr. Pepper. Isaac, one win and you're in. Now you give it all you got. What's the matter, boy? You, you look strange. I don't feel right about a whip, Eli. No, what's he saying, Eli? Well, it's nothing, Mr. Pepper. Now get on up there to the starting line. They're waiting for you, boy. You get on up there and remember the whip. The whip! Isaac and Footmove moved off to the starting pole. The starter raised his red flag, held it while the horses evened their line, then dropped it. Get off! Come on! Come on, Come on Get off! Come on, boy! Get off there, boy! Footloose was still prancing while the other horse was rounding the first turn. Footloose had been left at the starting line. All the fool jockeys, his whip never touched Footloose. Get him off that track! I'll show that, show that boy how to use a whip. Get him off of there! Bring them here! The training brought Footloose and Isaac off the track. Brought him to the owner. Pepper snatched the jockey's whip, cracked it against the flanks of the horse. While the trainer held on until suddenly Pepper's hand was caught. Don't hit him anymore. Let go of my wrist or I'll break you in two. Don't hit him. Let go, you little fool. The big man tried to shake loose from the grip of the 70-pound jockey, but it was like a steel lock that wouldn't break. Eli, make this crazy jockey let go of my hand. Isaac, let go of Mr. Pepper. Quit now. Is he gonna whip that horse? Well, the devil with the horse! I wanna, I'm gonna take care of you. Now, get out of my sight before I have you thrown out! You'll never ride a horse I own! I tried to tell you, Mr. Pepper. He's funny about horses. He can't stand seeing them whipped. It's just his way. I can't stand losing races because a jockey's too timid to whip a horse. I, I can make it up for you if you'll let me. Not on any of my horses. I'll ride my own horse for you. You mean that scrubby-looking mare? She used to be a racehorse. 
with the Sawyer's record in Kentucky. That's because the jockeys didn't understand her. You see, you, you've got to really know, honey, before she'll run. And nobody in the world knows honey any better than Isaac, Mr. Pepper. Nobody. That nobody want to. If, if, if you'll get her in the next race, I'll show you. I want to show those people that I can bring in a winner. Oh, you do, huh? Well, maybe it'll convince you that you belong across the track in the cemetery and not in a saddle. I'll enter her. Isaac Saddle Honey weighed in, and when the post call came, trotted up to the starting post. Swung in between the thoroughbreds and saw the starter's red flag come down. The field shot off and left Honey behind. Isaac put his mouth to the horse's ear. But by the first turn, the field was three lengths away. And the crowd had forgotten Honey was even in the race. Grave diggers over in the cemetery was riding their spades and shouted loud enough to wake up the dead before Honey seemed to understand what was going on and started cutting the front horses down foot by foot. With a hundred yards to go, Isaac tried to edge along the rail, but couldn't get through. And when they shot through the stretch, there she was, still with a streak of daylight between Honey and the lead horse. Isaac started talking to her like she was a natural brother. The patch of daylight got smaller until three horses was bunched together like a piece of midnight, racing through the finish. Honey stretched her long neck forward and crossed the wire by her head. The winner! says I, it all started on a 50 to 1 shot. Bookmakers had given up for dead. Strangest thing ever happened in all my racing days. I'll try another jockey on Honey next week. Maybe she's got something. But when Honey went to the post next without Isaac, she took her time getting off to start. And all the talking in old Kentucky couldn't make her across the finish line ahead of the last horse. That crazy kid must know something. Never seen anybody get anything out of a horse like this. Well, if I have to, I'll put Isaac back on her. After all, 50 to 1 is 50 to 1. (laughs) (laughs) And cemetery number two was alive with speculation as the grave diggers dug up their savings from the first funeral, prepared to back the 50 to 1 shot and the jockey they had trained. 285, 295, $303. <laughs> All on honey in the first race to win. Exactly as you say, sir. Um, honey in the first race uh, to win. Yes, yes sir. That's it. <laughs> Coins that had been out of circulation since the days of Thrifty Ben Franklin showed up at the betting cages. The news spread that the grave digger's apprentice was going to ride like no jockey had ridden before. When the post call came on a great day, there wasn't a living soul left in the cemetery across the way. Over at the track, as the crowd watched the horses come to the line, Owner Pepper patted Isaac Wiry back. I knew you had it in you. Boy, I knew you had it in you. Just handle honey careful like, and you're on your way. You'll be well off overnight. Not to say what I'll be. <laughs> Everything all right, Isaac? Boy, all, all this attention's made Honey nervous. She, she doesn't like this much attention from strangers. You know, I'm afraid... You may- know you can free every grave digger in the cemetery just by winning. I know. 
Hey, hey, get on out there in the field. They're waiting. Get on out there. Honey tiptoed out on the track like a Maltese kitten, strutted by the line and took her place by the rail, switched to Bob Till as the starter raised his flag, and when he dropped it, shot off like a boat of young lightning, and put two lengths of stray light between herself and the second horse before they rounded the first turn. Isaac was riding her short, his body supple, his lips moving as though he was telling her a story. And when we needed to stretch, he glanced over his shoulder at the second rider coming up, greedy for the rail. But whatever he told Honey, she didn't understand, for she missed the pace. Her legs doubled up like hinges, and her head hit the turf. And Isaac went over her like he'd been shot from a crossbow, stretched out on the track while the thoroughbreds thundered over him. But before the last one came across, Honey got up, limped over to the jockey, took his shirt in his teeth, and dragged him off the track as Eli and Pepper ran to him. Is he hurt badly, Eli? Uh, he's coming out of it. I think he'll be all right. He's been nothing but bad luck to me, nothing but. He and that horse, I put a lot of money on him. And so did the gravediggers, and we're not sorry. I want him out of my stables, and that horse of his. Hind legs broke. You know what you got to do about that. I'll do it. Please, you stay with the boy until he comes around. And they said the old jockey went into Honey's stable, found that horse that pawed a grave in the south lower with his foot. He raised his rifle and just as Isaac rushed in. You're like, don't, don't, not Honey! This is the way of the track, son. Always a winner. And always a loser. Takes an eternity to breed a racehorse and a second to destroy one. Takes an eternity to find a horseman who understands a horse the way he understands a human. You've got it, Isaac. It's a gift. You keep riding. Watch your horses carefully. Ride them the way they want to be ridden. Never beat them. A horse is like people. He returns love when he gets love. Oh, you're going to be the greatest jockey in the world. Just remember your bargain with the gravediggers. We'll get another long shot. Then we'll call you again. Now go find yourself another horse. You speak their language. I know I've been changed. Isaac went back to the track and got another mount, studied him like a book and rode him the way he wanted to be ridden, and crossed the finish line two lengths ahead of the second man. Then he went to the round of tracks in Florida in November, Hot Springs in April, Lexington, Louisville, Illinois, Michigan, California, and Maryland, New York and New Mexico, won the American Derby four times, then Kentucky Derby three times, went out to Saratoga, accepted 50 mounts, and coached 49 winners across the finish line. Threw away his whip in Arlington and dropped his spurs in Washington Park. Retired after having accepted 1,412 mounts and winning 628 races. Never crossed the track to the cemetery. I saw the grave diggers again until the thunder cracked that day in May. Rode away and left the muddy track. 
little grave digger with a nag named Broomstick. She's a hundred to one shot, son. And every grave digger's laying it all on the line. If you ride her. Now, what do you say? I say keep your money in your pocket. That's where I keep mine. You won't ride? I'll ride. Get her ready for me. Isaac, you're not going out. I've got to ride. I've got to give them another chance to win. What chance have you got if you ride in that weather? I know what the, the doctor said. Get the horse ready, Eli. Broomstick was ready. And the racetrack was packed again. The cemetery was empty of the living. And when the call came, Broomstick trotted out on the track. Took his place next to the rail where the gravediggers gripped their tickets as if they were the last try to win the stake. When the starter flag fell, Broomstick got off slowly. The field whooped ahead and made the first turn before Broomstick had gone six lengths. They sat dead still while the favorites clogged through the mud and Isaac leaned over Broomstick's ear and sang. Giddy up, Broomstick! Giddy up, baby! Giddy up, Broomstick! Giddy up, baby! And lightning leaped in the Broomstick and the strap crossed the track. And Isaac, caressing her head and whispering into her ear, calling and crying, talking about old times and horses, about sires and mares and races and handicaps, stables and clubhouses, stars and judges. And when they turned into the home stretch, Isaac saw a hole between the first two horses and slid inside them. Broomsticks thundered through like she was been in her prime and gave one mighty burst. And while the train and the track stood up screaming, a roll of thunder rumbled across the sky. Broomstick's knees bent like a body in prayer. And again, Isaac flew over a horse's neck like he'd been shot from a bow and landing in the mud and ascending low. They picked him up and carried him to the jockey's room. He opened his eyes and looked at the wet faces of the grave diggers and asked, Win, lose, or draw? Win, Broomstick. Her last race. I know I've been changed. And they say Isaac Murphy turned over inside and said, Mine too, Eli. Mine too. And they wrapped him up, called the doctor. But cold and fluid beat him to Isaac's heart. And so Isaac Murphy, three-time Kentucky Derby winner and grave digger's apprentice, returned to those who had first taught him how to ride and never left him again. You have just heard Destination Freedom's dramatization of The Grave Digger's Handicap, the story of Isaac Murphy. Destination Freedom is written by Richard Durham and produced under the direction of Danielle Betts. The cast for The Grave Digger's Handicap included Claire Frances Peterson, Itha Gabriel, Greg Ward, Kurt Soderstrom, Vincent C. Robinson, Jeffrey W. Nicholson as Isaac Murphy, and Danielle Betts as Digger. The singer of our theme was Claire Frances Peterson, with musical direction by Jan Van Sickle and musical guest violinist Lionel Young and percussionist Alfredo Pinto. Sound effects by Gabriel and Cheryl Wortley. The trumpet fanfare by Steve Illich. 
The engineers for tonight's program, The Gravedigger's Handicap, were Darren Gabbert and Greg Benson. I'm Rodney Franks. That concludes this episode of Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. Make sure you check us out at NoCredits.com and pick up our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Radio Public, Spotify, etc. Follow us at Twitter at Donnie Betts, hashtag NoCreditsProduction, LLC, hashtag Black Radio Days, hashtag Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.